Hi there, I'm Paul Mitchell and welcome to Leaders for Life Radio. Here we interview leaders from all walks of life, from business, from the arts and entertainment, from sport, from not-for-profits and communities. And in this interview, we chat with Hamish Thompson. Hamish describes himself as, uh, first of all, as a proud Kiwi um, by birth, um, a very seasoned global leadership executive with a 30-year career history. He's been a successful CEO and regional president and global brand head for Mars Incorporated in the UK, Australia and Chicago in the States. He uh, was a senior marketing and sales lead for Reebok International, both in England and in the Netherlands, and also was a freshly faced account executive in the London advertising scene. Um, he's now an independent consultant, uh, an author, an advisor to boards and startups, a keynote speaker and investor, lives in Sydney with his wife and three children. And in this interview, uh, we're going to talk with Hamish about his wonderful new book, It's Not Always Right to be Right, where you'll just find so many tremendous business and life lessons all packed up with Hamish's wonderful blend of of wisdom and humour and experience and, and anecdotes. So enjoy the interview, get the book. Um, let's now listen to Hamish Thompson. So welcome, welcome, welcome listeners to Leaders for Life Radio and welcome to Hamish. Thank you very much, Mitch. Uh, thank you for the invitation. It's uh, haven't connected for a while, actually, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. You're incredibly passionate, and you've been very infectious uh, every time you've uh, spoken or led to us. So it's uh, good to be invited. Uh, nice of you to say that, Hamish. And I've become more passionate and more <laughs> infectious um, having read your new book. It's uh, not always right to be right and other hard-won leadership lessons, and they are hard-won. And one of the lessons that I absolutely loved was uh, a quote that you gave from a driver, Mario Andretti. I think I've got that pronunciation <laughs> right. If you if you are in control, you're not driving fast enough. So, so can you let us know who was Mario and why do you love that lesson so much? It's a, it's a great quote, isn't it? And I... I think back, I think I was probably first exposed to that when I was across in Reebok, Europe, and they had a, a certain uh, gentleman by the name of Roger Best, and he remains a, a good mentor and a good friend. But essentially, the whole message was behind it, there are enough clever cookies around you to be a little bit more bold, to be a little bit more risky, have yourself a go and back yourself. And I love the philosophy. I like new. I love different uh, but I do like placing myself outside of the comfort zone. And it is something I think, unfortunately, the higher up you go within leadership, even though you should get a little bit more bold and a little bit more sort of passionate on taking risks, um, unfortunately, at times, we can be very serious within that. So that's the philosophy behind it. Mm. Um, I uh, No, I enjoy it. And obviously, I'm a little bit of a petrol head at times as well. So Mr. Andretti <laughs> can never be a bad thing. So uh, uh, we all love a petrol. It's such great advice. I mean, at every level, I can remember working with uh, graduates at Unilever. I think we tested up to 5,000 at one time coming through, and then we put them in various leadership programs. 
and uh, with all sorts of lessons. I've had the joy of catching up with some of those people almost 30 years later. And the question I often ask is, what was, that, what was the biggest lesson you got from all the things we talked about? And it's exactly to your point. And I remember a, a marketing director or now a marketing director said, uh, see how hard it is to get yourself fired in the first 12 months. Now, I didn't mean to go out deliberately to get yourself fired, but the whole thing about taking risks is such. So I think that's great. Well, look, let's get one of your themes coming through is also authenticity. Where are you, to be authentic, where are you out of control now in your personal Personal or leadership life, Hamish. Listen, I I'm probably in more control um, than I have been at any other stage, and that's a, that's a good thing or a bad thing. So, I suppose if um, one of the the big motivations for even attempting to write a leadership book was wanting to challenge, wanting to push myself a little bit further. You know me, Paul. I've been yeah. sort of um, CEO, corporate experience, 30 years. It's quite classical within that. I always think of a little bit sort of different, but you do get bored. You do get a little bit sort of stale within that. So the writing of a book, resigning after you know 20 wonderful years within Mars Incorporated, which my boss and uh, my wife still think I'm crazy for at times, um, that was pushing myself out of my comfort zone and being exposed to these new sort of new, you know, new opportunities, startups, PE, et cetera. Um, that's been a hell of a lot of fun. Do I think, though, that um, I'm out of control? No, probably not. And I think most people, when you get to sort of this age, and I've just flipped sort of the, uh, the 50 years, um, you do always say to yourself, I wish I was bolder and I wish I was faster. So it's interesting you say around those young graduates as well that, you know, graduates, new starters, you want them to be bold, you want them to be faster in the very early stage as well. So I'm still in control. Um, but I probably need to push myself off the track a little bit more going forward as well. Well, we need we need to get you back on that track, and I'm also going to push back on it a bit. That is a you had a a, a, a great career and a great career in, in front of you in regards to the corporate track. Um, that's a big, big for many. I mean, for you may not you may not have seen it that way, but that's a risky, almost scary thing to go from that certainty to that uncertainty, like your your wife was talking about. Um, how did you handle that? I and mean, this is an important question because we may still be in corporates, we may be in our own business, we may be in the public sector, but there will be times when we're making those major career moves or we're doing those things which are a bit risky. And I love that statement. There's no there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. Um, how did you make that decision? What went through your mind? Can you share some lessons or some wisdom then about when you are making those big leaps? Yeah, I think you probably nailed it when you said certainty and uncertainty. Um, when you are very content, and this is I put it on my front of have, uh, one of the, uh, the concept that's very close to me is called constant dissatisfaction. Um, even when things are working, I'm wanting to sort of change them up or look at things differently, which can drive some people nuts, by the way. Um, but on that, when you are content and when you're certain, um, I'm not saying I get bored, but I get restless. And I think, again, the older people get, you realize that you've probably got more to offer. Um, your purpose is a little bit different. It's less around you. It's more around what you can do for others. Um, and that point of difference, and I'm a, you know, I've got an insatiable curiosity of what could be. So I think that was really at my stage. It was uh, the right time to do it. Now, I do appreciate, Mitch, that it's easy and it's easier when you are in a position 
to be able to call the shots. Um, and controlling your agenda is, uh, is an important thing. Sometimes in your career, particularly early on, uh, it is a little bit harder. One, you won't have the confidence. Sometimes you don't have the financial security. Um, but for me, it was just the, it was the right time. I'll get back within corporate life, but um, um, it was just a, it was a necessary for me. And so far, uh, enjoying it immensely. Mm. Uh, a couple of couple of things there. I mean, these decisions, of course, are not forever. It's almost like, well, now I've made a call. It's I'm forever in this land or in that land. It, one, it's not forever. I love this concept of uh, just keep curious. But I particularly, I really enjoyed it. Was music to my ears when I read that chapter on that constant dissatisfaction or, or healthy dissatisfaction. Because often, what will happen in my own career, I've had situations where. People would say, well, you know, aren't you just, shouldn't you just be satisfied with what you've got? And I am satisfied. I'm so grateful. But there's another part of me says, hey, what else could we do? So talk a bit more about that healthy dissatisfaction that you talk about in the book. Yeah, so I view it as that there's two levels of it. So there's healthy dissatisfaction um, and then there's constant. Uh, unfortunately, I have the constant one and I don't think that's actually too healthy at times. It works for me, um, but it's those things that, Whatever I look at, I will question. Um, I'll question the processes, the procedures. Uh, if we've got a 10% growth, I'll be questioning how to get to a 20% growth. Um, if we've got great talent within the business, I'll be thinking how we can actually stretch and take it a little bit further forward. So whilst that's a, it's a good thing to be part of, um, there is a danger side to that. It works well for me. Um, but there are a lot of people who struggle with change, and it's uh, it's reality. Now, one's not right or wrong. It's just one is different. So I have to be very uh, cognizant, uh, much in regard to how do I make sure that I'm not moving too fast? Mm. How do I make sure that I've got change management procedures around? How do I make sure that I'm not disrupting the core of the business as well? And the easiest way that I've uh, been able to uh, facilitate that and not cause chaos along the way um, I just surround myself with incredibly good people not yes people people will challenge me and say hey Hamish love your idea it's nice uh, get back in your box and uh, we'll do that within two years time if you are a conviction leader who follows your own advice ahead of anyone else uh, you could be in a world of pain so um, that's uh, that, that, that's how I view it that it, uh, it works um, but it can uh, it can be a difficult situation if you don't control it does that make no, sense? I love that. I, absolutely. And I, I guess I, I love that. Um, once again, it's not black or white. I think Jim Collins talks about the, the, the genius of the and rather than the tyranny of the or. So it's not about keeping the core or maintaining the status quo. And it's not just about challenging the process. It, it is about both. How do we how do we keep the core of what works and at the same time uh, challenge the process? And I guess we have to find those parts within ourselves and, and we have to make sure we're, we've, we're taking into account the, the environment, the context around us. In regard to environment around us, I'm not quite sure whether our listeners can hear, but fate would have it that a concrete truck has just arrived uh, next door. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm hoping that you have no mafioso connections that you've sent up here uh, to me, Hamish, but, and, and I'm also hoping that it's not getting in the way of uh, – of our, our listeners' audio. So that's that's one of the great lessons in the book, this constant dissatisfaction of challenging the status quo but maintaining the core. What are some other um, real standouts for you? Because there's just so many brilliant uh, 
just life lessons, not just leadership lessons in the book. Is there any ones that are standouts for you apart from the ones we've already mentioned? Yeah, there's um, there's a few. It was quite interesting. Actually, the concept for this book, um, Paul, initially, um, I wrote essentially, sat down at the kitchen table, I grabbed a bottle of wine. It's the first uh, night, actually, uh, after my resignation. And I listed out all the things that I thought that I'd sort of learned and the insights over the last sort of 30 years. And I did this primarily for the kids. And when I look back at the list very quickly, there wasn't one technical or functional skill or Mm. asset involved. It was all emotional, lived experiences, leadership lessons. Um, And I think that was the biggest sort of insight to me and of – you see it sort of regularly within so many wonderful people with incredible skill sets, but they fail at the first hurdle. Um, they don't fail because of amazing technical or functional. They don't fail because of amazing strategic agility or intellectual horsepower. Um, they essentially fail because either one, they haven't developed the relationships and the depth of relationships. Secondly, they often think they can go alone, which um, you know is uh, I think is a problematic in its own right. And then thirdly, um, they probably don't believe that they need to enlist the support and the drive of others to make it reality. So I think those are sort of the key ones. So in my in very sort of uh, long sort of way, um, I'm saying that the relationship angle and the depth of relationships that one builds internally and externally uh, is absolutely key. And I've got a chapter called Law, Logic and Relationships. Yes, uh, even yes. Law and logic are wonderful things. Relationships mm. uh, drive everything else. I read that with uh, a, a great uh, amusement or a bit of a smile across my face when that, I think, was a research and development manager asked you that question uh, when uh, when first applying for Mars and what they were, it was, which one was important. Was it law, logic or relationships? But to an extent, it was a bit of a trick question because it always gets down to relationships. It's interesting, isn't it? One of, one of the... Uh, uh, workshops that we run is one from London Business School called uh, How, Why Should Anyone Be Led By You? And the basic premise there is that leadership is a relationship. And in fact, if you look at some of the Harvard research on longevity, what they talk about, yes, you can have great genes and you can look after your health. But one of the important things for both our happiness and our longevity is the depth and the quality of our relationships. So it's wonderful that the that you push that. I also love that thing about, look, don't think you can do it alone. Is it an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, yeah. go by yourself. If you want to go further, then go in a group. And uh, there's a very strong emphasis that you place in the book on that. And the other one is that um, no one makes it on their own. And we, we have a saying, come in early as a partner, not late as a judge. So this whole concept of, of bringing people with you right from the go-get, um, so important, just so important. The, the word authenticity, too, comes through a hell of a lot uh, through your writing and through yourself. Uh, talk a bit more about that. What does it really, really mean to be an authentic leader? Because one of the things that I guess you have to track is if if people are talking too much about how authentic they are, how real they are, there's a little warning signal go off in our in our brain saying, is this really the case? I think, again, Shakespeare said, I think um, uh, he or she doth protest too loudly. So how do you, how do you really... From your personal point of view, Amy, see whether someone really is authentic. I think the biggest thing is you you start from a very early age with a misconception 
that to be a great leader, you need to be like X, Y, and Z. And unfortunately, X, Y, and Z is often in the form of another leader who you admire, respect, you either know individually uh, or you know from a distance. Um, and it's understandable. We all do that. We all have role models, etc. But then very quickly, you can start putting on a persona um, and a leadership style and a brand of leadership style that is not you. I went through the stage um, on multiple occasions in regard to trying to be an executive uh, that I thought other people wanted me to be. And I was actually mm. the Center for Creative Leadership um, a coach uh, within Colorado uh, went across there for a week and it was a week all around me and you do so many forms, et cetera, on that. And it was a, it was wonderful self-indulgence, but essentially um, she got it out of me that I wasn't really enjoying myself and it came down to I was trying to be a leader that I thought other people wanted me to be as opposed to, hey, this is Hamish Thompson, 100% authentic. I'm not a different person from I am at home as for work. This is my style, what resonates with me, uh, and it resonates with others. Um, so I think that's absolutely key, and it's so draining to try and be two people. Absolutely. Well. So, yeah. yeah. A couple of themes there coming through is that I think if you talk to any CEO um, that's been around a bit and you say, what's the most important thing that you're looking for in a leader, I, I reckon at least 50% of them, apart from focus, would probably say energy. And it's just too draining, as you say, not to be yourself. I love the quote you have in the book from Oscar Wilde, be yourself, everybody else is is, is taken. And uh, it reminds me that I think it's a Delphi in the Temple of Delphi, the Greeks had above as you entered the temple, and I, I don't know the, the Greek words, but they had virtually know thyself. And I think that's probably one of the key leadership lessons that leaders have been around for a while get. So, Hamish, I'm wondering, yes, you had that wonderful experience in Colorado with uh, the Centre for Creative Leadership. What are some ways day to day that young leaders or even leaders that have been around a bit or up and coming leaders can, can, can really get to know themselves? How can they develop that sense of self-awareness? Because the problem with self-awareness is you can never be self-aware because we're always seeing it through our own filters. So what would your advice be there for people to gain that sense of, of self that you talk about? I think first and foremost is probably developing your own leadership brand and your own leadership style. And um, you think around the myriad of um, brand technical sort of scores and um, brand pyramids, etc. cetera. Um, people understand what brands stand for, personalities, values, identity very well. But your own personal leadership style, very few people take that seriously. Mm. So I think even at a young age, you can actually identify one, what are those characteristics that are important to you? I always start off with the values first. Um, you know, one of my key values uh, that I've always had is in regard to trust, dignity, and respect. Um, and that will form a basis of my leadership style, my leadership brand ongoing. Um, another one is uh, in regard to collaborative, even though I'm very driven um, and have a very competitive nature. Um, I'm not individual-led. It has to be a collaborative basis. Mm. So I think young uh, aspiring leaders, and actually anyone, you can start off with what are those characteristics that resonate with you uh, that you think you're right? And then obviously feedback's obviously critical. But the one thing I'd say around feedback, and uh, it's typical of any multinational, um, you get so much of it. I always view 98% of feedback 
just let it go through to the uh, to the keeper. Yeah, I noticed you that in your book. You're talking about yeah. That. yeah. Refine yourself, but don't necessarily change. And it's a it's a hard thing to do at a at a young age, but um, I think it's absolutely critical. And I, just Paul, I, I loved when you talked around before, sort of around that passion side. Um, I also heard a quote the other day. I've never fired someone who uh, who had too much passion. And, uh, <laughs> I just I just loved that as a, it just really summed it up well of what passion can uh, can bring to a business and to uh, to people around you. Well, some great couple of great lessons there. Just want to draw them out. In one, for, for, for in terms of we're talking about know thyself and self awareness. One, get the feedback. But I often say in my coaching, don't be defined by it. Uh, take it for what it is. Have a look at it, but don't be defined by it. And the second one, I, I love that thing from any uh, every leader should start to define their own brand and let people know what that brand is. Because if you don't, others will make it up, and it may not be what you want. Uh, in 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 once again in why should we've taken a, some of their concepts and we've talked about have your own vase and vase is exactly as you talked about Hamish V stands for what are your values A is what are your allowable weaknesses because if you say like right right now uh, for the listeners uh, before we started this we had a few tech problems guess what tech is not my um, and I'm very upfront about it it's not my specialty skill luckily we've had Abe um, who's been hosting us help us with the tech if you're upfront with those allowable weaknesses that allow others to step up and, and serve um, so that's the V and the A then be very clear on your strengths too don't you know, a lot of people hide behind those what are your strengths put them forward let people know how you can support them and then share your experience and your wisdom which is exactly what we're doing here on that oh, Hamish it brings up something what gets in the way like here we are knowing ourselves being authentic uh going together developing relationships what do you think gets in the way uh, for leaders that they don't do all these things that that we know are so important it's uh it's interesting on this and i i would say let's just bring it back to about being authentic within your style mm. um, and it's reality when pressure points come on be that performance be that when you have a bad boss or a uh, demanding uh, boss um, you can often revert and change your style in times of pressure and there's a massive difference uh, there's a chap called Nick Petrie who um, talks very much in regard to the difference between stress pressure and exhaustion and we all have different levels of pressure, but some can handle that uh, better than others. And those who turn uh, pressure into stress will actually change their leadership style. And that is when, to me, you become inauthentic. And that mm. is, to me, where it's a little bit of a slippery slope and you're never going to be at your best. So I think the, the pressures of day-to-day -day sort of business, etc. And when you have people around you, and particularly leaders, who will try and change your style. Um, and sometimes, Paul, the organization you're with may not be the right one. Your passions, your values, your talents doesn't mean they're right or wrong or the organizations are right or wrong, but that may actually not be a match. So at times when you're sort of feeling as though I can't be authentic, um, at times, maybe the organisation is not the actual right one for you. But when you do get the right, uh, uh, right crossover with values, it's a marriage made in heaven. Isn't that great? I, 
I love that uh, because I've noticed too, we've had obviously 2008 and then recently COVID where there's been some tough economic times. I mean, anyone can look good in an up market. Anyone can manage in an up market. I love what Warren Buffett says, when the tide goes out, we discover who's been swimming naked. And I, I, I think in those times of pressure, you really see that the, 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 true, uh, the true leadership come through. You also talk about... Um, uh, and not not just organisations, but be careful who you hang around with. Um, you talk about people who who give you energy and who drain your energy, uh, or drain your energy from you. So we've talked a lot about your own energy. Uh, can we can can you sort of um, elaborate on that lesson a bit about not just the business that you're in, but the people that you're associating with? So I started uh, Paul many years ago as a very junior and a very poor copywriter within London advertising. Um, and one of the very first things, apart from being moved on from my copywriting duties, which was a bonus, I think, for everyone, um, one of my very first lessons was that you needed to surround yourself with energising people. Mm. Um, and there's a concept within advertising land called drains and radiators. And essentially a drain is what it does. It drains and sucks the lifeblood out of you. It's pessimism around, etc. A radiator, on the other hand, um, is unbridled passion, it's confidence. It's not a Pollyanna who's not a realist, um, but it's actually looking at opportunities. And the most important thing, I think, as a leader, ahead of engagement, ahead of uh, satisfaction, you know, processes and procedures, is surrounding yourself, but more importantly, your team, with radiators within the business and moving very fast uh, in regard to removal within drains. Um, and it's uh, it may sound a little bit sort of harsh, but it's probably one of the biggest lessons that I've had. I wish I'd moved faster on those uh, negative people who didn't see sort of possibility. Um, not provocateurs, not challenges, I'm into that, uh, but those who actually are drains on the rest of the business. Very it, it, fascinating in that, we talk a lot about engagement. I remember I'm a member of a, of a, a business institute called the Aspen um, Aspen Institute in, in, in Colorado. And on one of the workshops there we were doing was an engagement. And you don't have lecturers as such. It's just a whole lot of various business people turn up, uh, one of which was, I won't say their name, a very senior executive in, in the Lauder Group, Estee Lauder Group. And they put something forward which we, we thought, there you go. And what they found was that although we talk a lot about engagement and getting people engaged, but their focus was on getting rid of the people that aren't engaged or helping them get engaged or making a conversation. And the, the metaphor, which I always remember, it's like a a bowl of apples. Um, if you have, if you drop an apple and you put that apple back in the bowl, you don't see the bruising in the apple. You don't see it. But before long, that apple has bruised and almost been cancerous with everyone else in the bowl. So I think that's just a, a great lesson for our personal life to 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 not to be be aware that there will be those we often call about drainers who are people that drain our energy, and then we talk about rainers who rain back. Oh no, you can't do that. They pull the rains back, and then they rallyers, people who rally you to the cause. So um, great, great, great lessons. We're, we're talking mm. about these lessons that you're sharing. Who've been, you don't once again have to uh, share the names, but in your life, you must have come across some great business mentors, either from your reading or from your experiences as an advertising exec or in the corporate world. Um, what have been some of the 
the key lessons that, and maybe they're in the book, but what have been some of those real top ones that you still live by now, Hamish? I think probably the, the very first one is um, is in regard to pushing yourself out of that comfort zone. And I've always viewed a great leader um, and the great leaders that I've had uh, the privilege to work with, uh, work with um, they unlock potential and they encourage mm. you to actually stretch and develop along the way. And there's a great art to that, isn't there? The, the great leaders that I've had, they'll, they'll stretch you and they'll develop you, but they won't necessarily hold your hand the whole way. Mm. Uh, they'll jump in when is when's needed, but they won't tell you how to do it. They'll coach and develop you on their way. So their situational leadership style is very much about a support as opposed to, to a directing side. So I think some of the uh, the best leaders are those who unlock potential and it's unlock hidden potential as well, seeing things within yourself that you don't necessarily see with, uh, you know, you don't see from your own view. And there's, a, there's a great algebra equation, which uh, math's never been a strong point, but it's C plus W is greater than E. And it talks around curiosity and willingness, and I put down willingness as passion, is greater than experience. And the great leaders view that in people. Even if you don't have a technical or functional skill, but I see someone with an insatiable curiosity, a perspective, looking forward for things, and an unbridled passion, as a combination, that makes up yes. for, uh, for a lack of experience as well. So um, I sort of love that, love that side. It's certainly infectious, yep. like we talked about before. And I, I, Hamish, uh, so much in common. Uh, the only maths that I know, and it's, it's served me well, is compound interest formula. My my auntie Alison, <laughs> I always tell this story, was a, uh, a was the maths uh, mistress at Willoughby Girls High, and I went for her for coaching. And she said, Paul, I, uh, Paul, I just don't think this is your thing. I said, Well, there's got to be some basic maths I've got to know. And she handed me a book called um, Real Estate Riches, and right throughout the book, it just kept talking about compound interest. So, yes, um, there, are some, there are some mathematical formulas which I think are important. But one of the things, that, 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 that just is so exciting how you talk about unlocking potential. And isn't this the job of every parent? And, of course, a parent is a leader. How do, we, how do we see things in people that they don't see in themselves? How do we bring out that brilliance? How do we let, them, let that magic really manifest itself or that, let their DNA dance? And when that happens, a boy, does it grow the business? We often talk about grow yourself, grow your team, um, grow your business. So, Hamish, this has been fantastic. We could, I mean, we, we really could spend 24 hours, at least 48 hours, maybe a whole week, going through some of the brilliant lessons in, 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 your, in, your, in your new book. And, and what I love about it is not just lessons. It's, it's, it's a wonderful for, for the, the listeners, it's a wonderful flow where Hamish um, gives a concept. He then tends to expand on that concept or idea with a story from his personal life, a real life story, which are just fascinating. And then, and this is what I love, he's called on a, a whole lot of various experts throughout the world in different different areas to comment on his comments just to ground it and to give another perspective. Talk about that idea, Hamish. I think it's a, it's a very, very different way of writing a book. I think my wife would probably say I'm lazy and uh, I needed somebody else to fill up the book itself. But listen, uh, the, the rationale behind it, um, I love challenge and I love thought diversity. Um, and I think I've got 17 or 18 chapters. So I've invited 
what I term experts within their field. These are global leaders of you know, industry, some you know, multi-billion dollar businesses. Uh, they are respective lawyers, executive search firms, consultants, um, diplomats, etc. And it's just good. They bring in a fresh insight and a fresh challenge within that. And one of the things that I do know, even though um, I am I am opinionated, it can come across as arrogant at times, and it's a, it's a flaw within my leadership style. But I do know that I'm very open to change, and I suspect some of my hard grasped beliefs on leadership will probably change in a few years' time. And mm. when I've got these different contributing authors looking at the chapters, challenging an insight, um, it's just really fascinating. And again, not necessarily right or wrong, but it's different within that. And uh, I think that's the having the perspective and the curiosity to be open to challenge. Um, it's something I really appreciate as well. And uh, it's just, um, I think it sort of adds adds uh, another dimension to the book as well, which textbooks, uh, particularly business ones, can be uh, pretty hard fought and uh, boring affairs at times, as you well know. I think it also adds enormously to it's one thing to say, you know, or talk about authenticity and then, and then say talk about curiosity. But what a great model. Hey, here's my model of the world. Um, it's not always, uh, you know, right to be right here's someone else's model of the world so you 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 are modeling the very thing that you're talking about towards the uh, close of the book and i guess we're starting to close this this uh, discussion us now you talk about a fellow kiwi so edmund hillary um the first to the summit uh, everest um and one of his quotes was and i may not have this exactly right but uh, it, it, when he was asked how come he talked about that very kiwi trait of modest abilities with a good uh level of determination and with the final question almost to your readers of what could you do if you if you weren't weren't afraid that's my final challenge to you hamish um you're you've 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 been advisor now you've been doing consulting work, you've been doing keynotes, uh, you've been working with teams, you've been mentoring. Um, let's think really big for Hamish. What would you do if you weren't afraid? What's next for you? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great concept, isn't it? I saw that, um, that line within Facebook uh, HQ in London, um, and it does actually make you sort of think and step mm. back as though if I didn't have these limitations, limiting beliefs, uh, what would it be? I think, Paul, my biggest thing is how do I actually get myself into a position to unlock more potential within others? Um, and this, you know, comes down to an age thing. Um, there's many sort of studies on it, but it is more purposeful than before. Um, I've recently just joined a uh, my first uh, decent sort of non-for-profit. It's our Oz Help Group, which is about uh, mental health, particularly within hard-to-reach sort of work well, well environments. Well done. Well done. And I, yeah, it's uh, it's about how can I bring my skill set, and God forbid I've got uh, plenty of weaknesses within that, but how can I build my learnings, um, bring and invest uh, some of those insights and hopeful uh, beneficial lessons uh, onto more people? So that's my first and foremost. Um, it sounds a little bit sort of altruist, but uh, I think it is becoming even more important. The second one probably uh, I will challenge myself more and more again, um, and I think I'm going to be a little bit sort of more bold, but it will be more purposeful uh, in regard to making the difference um, you know, to organizations. And um, Grant Reed, the head of Mars Inc., he said a wonderful line, I'll, I'll try and get this right, that 
purpose without performance is impossible. Performance without purpose is meaningless. And I'm a passionate believer within that. Within any sector, you need a combination of both. And um, that's uh, that's what really resonates with me. So hopefully, um, no limiting beliefs. What a what an absolute uh, brilliant brilliant saying and brilliant note to end on. And I, I love the fact that you've been very purposeful in throughout your own leadership career and purposeful in writing this book. And that is to unlock that incredible potential that's uh, that's within us all, both as you know, not just as as leaders, but as but as but as human beings. Uh, and I also love the fact that you're. Um, you're now getting involved with a, uh, a not-for-profit, a charity. Often young leaders will come to us and ask the same thing, hey, is there a fast track uh, for for developing leadership skills? And I say, not really, but I can give you a great suggestion that might help, and that is to uh, join, a, join a not-for-profit where it's personal power, not positional power that counts. And in the end, that's what counts. So uh, the other thing I love about, about what you've talked about too is we often talk about Corporate world might be great for setting smart goals with a specific, measurable, um, attainable, uh, realistic, and time-bound. But I've never seen anyone achieve something of greatness with a smart goal. We talk about dumb goals. You've got to set dumb goals, <laughs> daring, unbelievable, magnificent. And people say, well, you've left off the B. And our final thing we'll often say is, yeah, that's because the goal is who you become. Uh, which is even more important than the goal itself. So Very I nice. think that we've been coming um, uh, even better leaders just listening to you, and I cannot thank you enough for giving up your time. I just want to, uh, and we'll put, certainly put this on the on the site for for our listeners and our members of our leaders for um, for Life Tribe. Uh, the title again of your book, the publisher and then when it will be released and where it will be available. So the title again of your book, Hamish, is. The title is It's Not Always Right to Be Right. Um, the publisher is Wiley Publishing, um, and I think it hits all markets globally from February the 1st. Um, so should be in bookstores and obviously online. Uh, I suggest a few wines to accompany it as well, as my wife reminds me daily. You ain't no Hemingway, Hamish, but um, hopefully it's not too bad. Well, as they say, as a, or every good psychologist would say, better to have a bottle in front of you than a frontal lobotomy. Um, so, uh, or vino veritas. So, Hamish, thanks so much again for your time. And just a final question. Is there any a final note you'd like to give to leaders as they, they get the joy of leading but also have to face the uh, um, the struggle of leadership? And let's face it, it is a bit of a struggle in our current times. Any Any final lessons you'd like to share with our listeners? I think the only one I'd probably say, Paul, is um, make a choice and make it early. It's uh, it's okay to be a manager or to manage, um, and people work for managers. Uh, but if you want people to follow you and to unlock potential, make your choice early to actually be a leader. Um, and uh, as I said, one's not right or wrong. It's just different. But make that choice early and then be yourself and uh, just uh, have a lot of fun along the way. Well, Hamish, we look forward to hearing about what your next choice will be and all the choice lessons that you'll no doubt learn from whatever because, uh, you know, you can, you, can, you can be leading and learning for 30 years or you could have only led for one year 30 times and you're the sort of person that just sucks the juice and sucks the learning out of every experience. So we look forward to either in, uh, experiencing that through uh, a new publication, a new book, or you um, going back into whatever role um, 
is your choice. Again, Hamish, thanks for joining us. Wishing you all the best and we'll catch up soon. Wow, what a great note to end on. That the role of the leader is to unlock the potential of others. And I know if you apply just some of the lessons that Hamish has shared with us today, it will certainly help to unlock your potential. Lessons like the importance of early risk-taking, of making sure you have people that challenge you, not just yes people or people that are, I guess, sucking up to you. How curiosity and passion trump experience every time. And hey, what a great line that was. I've never fired anyone for having too much passion. Of drainers and radiators. Be very, very careful who you hang around with, who's sucking you energy and therefore um, let go of them and who's going to give you energy and gather those people around you. Just so many lessons. And again, beautifully put together in Hamish's book, It's Not Always Right to Be Right. You will find details of where to get Hamish's book below. And also, please share this podcast with other leaders who you know will, will benefit from the, from the wisdom that Hamish is sharing with us both today and in his book, and, and who also have that healthy dissatisfaction that although they're satisfied, things could always be a bit better. We look forward to partnering with you, and we'd love that you're part of our Leaders for Life tribe. Paul Mitchell here. Until next time, find the passion, develop the skills, make the numbers, and make a difference.